Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, head of UK content, Toby Cudworth. Graham, how are you today? Championship season on the horizon. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Last last weekend off of the season. Um, it's actually my wife's 40th, so we'll be going away before I look forward to next Saturday when Middlesbrough will be kicking off live on, on Sky as ever against West Brom. But yeah, next Friday will be the first game. Looking forward to it. Optimism? Well, optimism uh, levels? Yeah, really high. We, we like the business we've done, but we, don't have, we literally don't have a 9, 10 or 11 in our squad at the minute. They are blank. Which is it's sort of optimistic because we know they're gonna we hope they're gonna be filled. It's always nice to have that optimism, isn't it? Knowing that shirt is there waiting. But yeah, we're we're a few strikers short at the minute. But um, that's the problem with starting so early in July, isn't it? You know, there's still another six five to five weeks of the transfer window open. So there's a lot of business to be done yet. World Cup in November December means new season starts a little bit early. The Premier League season starts on the 5th of August. Uh, there's a lot going on at West Ham. Toby, how are you doing? Very well, mate. Very well. The, the Jesse Lingard saga is over. Thank the Lord. Um, we'll talk about that more later. But yeah, lots of stuff going on. Premier League starts in two weeks, but as well as the Championship next week, don't forget it's Community Shield time next oh, yeah. Saturday, which is uh, mentally close. Um, it's happening at Leicester's King Power, isn't it? Because the Euros final is at... Wembley the following day, but yeah, we've only got eight days until top flight competitive football is back. Is the Community Shield a competitive game? Uh, well, no, nah, but yes, maybe. Don't know. Whoever wins it will tell you yes. Was it, was it was it Jose used to claim that as a trophy? Absolutely. Or was it, or was it yeah. Pep? I can't remember which one. He, when United won the Community Shield, the Europa League and the League Cup, they won a treble, according to Jose Mourinho. A few years ago, uh, we'll talk about, is there any Roma, Jose Mourinho, in today's show? I don't think there is, actually. Uh, we'll get into a bunch of stuff today. Jules Koundé, Barcelona's in and outs. We'll talk Leeds. We'll talk Charles de Ketelaar. Eh? <laughs> I'm not sure how I pronounce that there, there, is some, there is some Roma stuff, Scott. We've got uh, Zaniolo. Zaniolo, we do. Right at the end, I do believe. Yes. At the end, we've got a West Ham section... Extended one today, by the looks of it. There's a lot going on at West Ham, as I say. We'll talk, as ever, Frankie de Jong, Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll talk Adam Tony, a bit around Spurs as well, and Jed Spence, and obviously Zaniolo, as mentioned. You're going to uh, miss de Jong. When it's done, you're going to miss talking about him every week. So oh, you I'm are so bored miss of it. Him. I'm so <laughs> bored of it. Honestly, honestly. Uh, just We'll talk about Frankie de Jong and all of those different players, all of Toby's West Ham updates on Twitter, at underscore Scott Saunders for me. At Graham Bailey for Graham and at Toby underscore Cudworth for Toby. No Harry Simeu on the show today. Uh, we we're a little bit late recording this. The week's been a bit of a bit of a mess, but we're bringing you this show for your delights and your uh, enjoyment over the weekend as well on Friday night into next week. So let's get started, shall we? This is a the brand new weekly show where we'll dig us in, dig the into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football, players or managers, and on today's edition. We'll start with Jules Kunde, shall we? Uh, Barcelona were involved in this. It was obviously a mess, isn't it? Uh, Graham, what's the latest? Because Chelsea have wanted Jules Kunde for ages. Barcelona seem to think they can sign every bloody player under the sun. But is this one a step too far for them? Are Chelsea going to do it? It looks like they are. Yeah, they've come round to this. I think Chelsea have almost... 
fallen really on their feet. You know, it's like a cat out the window job where they could have had maybe Nathan Aki in by now. They could have had Aki Delict Kimpembe. And I think they're going to end up with Koulibaly and Koundé. And I really think uh, they're two wonderful players for Premier League football. I think they're both built for it. Koundé is a player they've liked for obviously 12 months. They seem to, to maybe swerve more towards Nathan Aki at one point than Koundé. I think Koundé is just far superior to Nathan Aki in every which way. Maybe Aki's got a better left foot, that's it. <laughs> but Koundé in every, in every which way is a, is a yeah. better player. So, yeah, the deal was agreed. They made an effort this week. They upped the offer to what Seville wanted. We've been waiting for them to, to hammer this out. Personal terms already agreed. I think Koundé was... You know, I think he has every right to make Chelsea wait the way Chelsea have made him wait in some respect. You know, I think Koundé was getting his agents were a bit annoyed early in the summer. They've been talking to them all year and um, before the window opened. Yes, there was a change in ownership, which I think hampered things. But I think it also points to Chelsea's scouting system where, as we talked about with United, Scott, that obviously Ten Hag's gone for his men rather than maybe what the scouts would rather. And I think here they've gone back to the scouting network at Chelsea and, and trusted in them. And gone for next in line, which has been Koulibaly and Koundé. So, yeah, we are expecting this one. This one could be done by tonight. Chelsea hope it is. We've done a few pieces on it. Um, Laporte has even admitted overnight from my, he's in Miami at the Barcelona that he was on, he was going to Chelsea. Such as Joan Laporte, people couldn't decide whether he's being sarcastic, humorous, <laughs> serious. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, we will ignore what he says, but yeah, from Chelsea sources, we understand this is close to confident as it can be, and they're hoping this will be done well before Monday and well before their next pre season friendly. Is that Udinese for Chelsea? I can't quite remember. I think it's Udinese, isn't it, next week for them? So they hope that Kunde will be involved in that. He is recovered, he has recovered from a, a slight pelvic surgery he had last month, but he is fully fit now because Kunde was initially left out of the pre-season touring squad for Sevilla and then added to it later. And it seemed like I saw some news that Barcelona had wanted him to go on the tour to kind of string it out and just uh, make sure that they had although, a chance. Did you, see, did you see where that tour was? It, it was to Portugal, basically. So it literally, he got he decided <laughs> to get on the bus just to... I think he's, got, I think he's gone there to, to Lagos in Portugal just to make sure he's fit. And I think he, him and his agent thought, you know what, it'll do him good to have a bit of a run around rather than just sitting waiting for um, Chelsea, Barcelona, Seville to agree things. So I think he's gone there just to... As I said, he had the surgery a month ago, so it's probably good that he has gone. Chelsea doing some... Half decent business tour with it buying ready made players by the looks of it. Yeah, Jules Kunda, they've wanted for over a year, as Graham's already touched on. I saw him in action for Severe against West Ham in the Europa League. And although we beat them over the two legs, you could see together. But I had to say, <laughs> no, yeah. Kunde, he's glass, isn't he? And he can play on either the right hand side of defence or on the left hand side. And along with Koulibaly, that will add great pace to that Chelsea back line. Both physically strong, good in the air. Um, and we'll give Thomas Tuchel a bit of tactical flexibility as well. We still don't know whether or not they're going to play three at the back. And if they have Koulibaly and Koundé, either side of Thiago Silva, that would work. And they would also complement each other in a back four. So defend- look, they'd be a good two, wouldn't it, Toby? Them, it would be. I think, I think it gives that two cows something to think about, where even last season, you know, they couldn't play Silva and Rudiger, could they? And, and, and then Rudiger and Chalabar. I don't think it was a, there was a back four combination last year that was that pleasing. But Koundé and Koulibaly, suddenly, he could start with a father for season, couldn't 
And look, Thiago Silva's 37 now, and we're 38 at some point during the season. His legs have gone. We have to be honest about that. He's still great positionally and reads the game well, but his body is betraying him. So Kunde and Koulibaly are the long-term option. And if Chelsea want to play a back four, which I think ultimately they do, those two are great options to allow Chelsea to do that. They just obviously have a lot of work to do. In terms of deciding what their midfield lineup will look like, but also their forward options as well. Could be the best back two in the whole Premier League. If him two start, well, it's up there with Liverpool City, isn't it? It could be the best back centre-half partnership in the league, potentially. Yeah, you'd think it. Uh, we'll talk uh, Joe and Laporta a little bit later on because uh, we have a Frankie de Jong section, obviously, to talk about. We've already mentioned Laporta, but you just can't get away from Barcelona at the moment. But we'll push that back a little bit and talk. Uh, Graham, I'll ask you, uh, Kimpembe, what is Chelsea's outlook on this situation? Can we? Is this one that we can see happening? How are we looking? No, the Kimpembe, yeah, he's one took I wanted, but it seems that he's staying at PSG. Yaltier has said to him he likes him, he wants him to stay. Kimpembe wasn't sure. I think it's only his relationship with Tuchel that he considered it. And the Milan Skriniar situation, PSG looked like they had this done. I think Louis Campos wasn't that convinced by the fee involved, £70, £80 million, pounds, an awful lot of money. He's a very good player. But I don't think they see it as that much of an upgrade on Kempembe. So it, as it stands at the moment, it appears that he's staying put and Skriniar probably staying at Inter. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's keep on PSG. There's a there's a striker from PSG who Leeds have made a bid for, but that has stalled, as has PSG's interest in Gianluca Scamacca, who <laughs> there's a real web uh, I've got to get through here. Uh <laughs> West Ham, obviously, like Skamaka. We'll talk about that in a minute, Toby. Uh, but <laughs> my notes here tell him, let's let's talk about Caliomendo, is it? Uh, PSG striker who Leeds made a bid for, but that stalled. Where Where is that situation as it stands? Yeah, it, it, they wanted him. But he, again, a bit like Kimpembe, he's come back. And Galtier, although he's Louis Campos's man, he's causing Louis Campos a few headaches here because... This was a player who Louis Campos was wanting £20 million for. Um, and he's come back, played really well pre-season, thought, I quite like the look of you. But they have signed Ekiteki as well. Um, but I do think it's related to PSG's um, proposed hunt for Skamaka, which isn't going well. As you can tell us, Toby, Skamaka, um, yeah, you, you're considering getting him in on your, your new West Hampshire next season, I think, gets over the line, aren't you? Because you, you are hopeful. You do like him. You do like these... Uh, Italian strikers, don't you, Toby? Yeah, and I've spoken to one of our colleagues at 90 Minute Italy, Alessandro, and when I said to him, Scamacca to West Ham, and kind of did a thumbs up or thumbs down, he gave me a big thumbs up and said he'd be a great addition. Um, powerful, well-rounded game, scored plenty of goals last year, is now first choice for Roberto Mancini in Italy. I know they're going through a bit of a, a dodgy spell right now, but Scamacca seems to be the man in possession of the shirt up front and West Ham... The man who led the line as they failed to get to World Cup, too, see? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Even Wales made it. Come on, man. <laughs> Either way, at club level, he did the business last year. Um, whether or not he can lead Italy to glory is another story. But yeah, West Ham like him. We actually reported last Friday that a, a deal was agreed in principle and is agreed in principle with Sassuolo for a fee of around 40 million euros, but it's never that simple tying up a transfer. It was whether or not Skamaka actually wanted to move to London Stadium amid interest from PSG. Obviously, he wanted to consider his options, whether or not that was the right thing for him. 
the nature of the fee and the way it would be broken down hadn't, be, hadn't been agreed. Um, potential sell-on fees. There's lots of things that West Ham and Sassuolo hadn't ironed out. They're still working on that, but it appears that he is the primary target ahead of Armando Brogia, Graham, where West Ham still have a bid in, but there's not much movement there. Uh, and Thomas Tuchel even hinting that publicly he doesn't want to let him go, but we're not really sure if that is actually the case. No, it appears from what we're told behind the scene, I don't think he's a huge fan. And um, you've never seen him as a Chelsea player for me, um, Brogia, but I think um, there's a massive difference between these two. So I think, and I don't know what you think, but it's Kamakura or Brogia. Yeah, it's, it's Kamakura all the way, isn't it? You're getting one who, you're getting one player who will probably start ahead of Antonio. If not, he will definitely be up there challenging. I don't, I don't see Brogia challenging Antonio for a starting role. I really don't. Um, so I think, and I think in an ideal world, you'd, you'd probably try and take both, wouldn't you? Um, if you could, maybe Brogia on loan, but it doesn't look as if that's. Um, yeah, I think, I think ideally, any club really wants to have three forward options, don't they? But West Ham have been living with one ever since yeah. Sebastian Allaire. For as went. long as I can remember. <laughs> yeah, so just to have two would be nice. And I think Skamaka looks like the preferred option right now. And I'd be surprised if if he did join, if the Brogia deal went anywhere. Could be alone, but as you say, Graham, I'm not sure whether or not that's on the table anymore. No good youngsters coming through. The West Ham Academy seems to be running dry a bit. I mean, well, Sonny Perkins, there was ah, yeah. hope for Sonny Perkins, but he um, thought the grass was greener at Leeds United and the pay packet certainly was. So he uh, he he's moved to Yorkshire. And well, understand, well, I understand he does have the same agent as Jesse Marsh, so uh, two and two. <laughs> we'll come back to Leeds in a second, but Toby, since we're on West Ham, let's jump into this section because... Uh, you know, there's a lot going on, as we say, not only up front, but there's issues at centre-half. And there's a new, not a new name, really, but Philip Kostic as well. Uh, if you could talk us through, let's go with, with centre-half first, because doubts over Kurt Zuma and there's an injury to one of your new signings as well. Yeah, now Figuerd's picked up an injury at Rangers during the week. It, it looked pretty nasty, actually, when you had a look at the replay and he was taken for a scan immediately after the game and that they ruled out a break, um, which is obviously good news. But when you're having a scan to determine whether or not there's a fracture, it obviously tells you that the injury is significant. Um, still no confirmed details of what the injury is, but ligament damage tends to rule out a player for at least four, six weeks, if not longer. And there are concerns about Kurt Zuma. We know that he's suffered serious knee injuries in the past and West Ham, when he completed the move last year, did an extensive medical to ensure that he was the player they wanted to sign. Um, and although he was fit for the majority of last season, there are concerns that there's perhaps a, a degenerative knee condition that he's got. There's also Angelo Bonner, who's 34, has just come back from an ACL tear, um, which is a serious, serious injury for any player, let alone one at the back end of their career. And Issa Diop was meant to be leaving West Ham to go to Fulham. But the breaks have been put on that because West Ham may actually need the cover at centre-back. They have five options. Craig Dawson is another player that they've got. But West Ham may look at this and think they actually need to bring in another body. Um, they're also looking at a left-back. Aaron Cresswell, we've touched on in previous podcasts, wasn't as good last season. Made a couple of glaring errors in the Europa League. He's did, he get sent, did he get sent off twice? He did in consecutive <laughs> knockout games against Lyon 
in the quarterfinal. And then when he came back against Frankfurt, he was sent off for the exact same thing. Last yeah. man pulling on the shirt, didn't learn from the mistake. Um, and he's always been a bit suspect in the back four. He's always been good going forward and his delivery from set pieces has been superb. But he's 32 as well. And there's times where he's just been caught out. So I think West Ham are just having a look to see who's around. And Philip Kostic is a name who's been on the radar for a little while. He was actually linked with Juventus earlier in the summer. And then it looked like he was going to sign a new deal at Frankfurt. But West Ham are in talks to try and tie a deal up. Um, the indication is that he would be interested in a move, but he's primarily a left wing back and a left midfielder rather than a traditional left back. And that may indicate that David Moyes is considering a change of system or at least wants the option to have a change of system um, and further re-emphasises that Arthur Masuaku, who is Cresswell's understudy, is very much available for a move this summer and West Ham hope to move him on. Great, I'm going to jump back to you. Uh, I think we're done with West Ham there, but they are also waiting on Leeds, in a sense, uh, who are struggling to land uh, Charles de Ketelaar after, um, you know, he, he seems to want to move to AC Milan. Uh, Paolo Maldini's meant to be travelling to Bruges. And in the, obviously, do you think this one is going to come off and do you think Leeds are going to end up being disappointed here? Yes, like Colin Farrell, he was in Bruges earlier this week. Good film, um, really good film. Yeah, he was. He was in. He was literally there the, um, yesterday. Lose track of days and times. He was there yesterday, I believe, and they flew back. They're not far away now in terms of value. Bruges, they they went down the route in this time of agreeing in terms of the player first, um, which you know you can never tell how deals are done nowadays. Um, but Bruges wanted thirty-five million euros. I think the same line are about thirty-two at the minute, so they're not too far away. He's a player who has become their number one target. They've gone for him ahead of Zayic from Chelsea, who they may still come back to. But to catch there, yeah, he's a terrific young player, isn't he? And Leeds, Leeds were trying. Leicester would have loved him, but Leicester have got problems raising funds at the minute. Not, some, not necessarily raising funds, but with FFP, they need to get players out. And Tiedemans is still there. James Madison is still there. Players who they could possibly sell. Um, Samari as well. And when Toby mentioned in a previous pod, he's available, hasn't moved. So there is a few... because. There's big wages at Leicester as well. So, yeah, the, the path is open for him to go to Milan. And there's Champions League football there as well. It's a World Cup year. And, you know, it's a bigger draw as money is in the Premier League. Sometimes when a club like AC Milan comes calling, you know, it's a huge thing. If Paolo Maldini arrives on your doorstep, you want to go, don't you? So, yeah, I think De Kettler to AC Milan is as close as it has been and could be done this weekend. What, what a deal that is for Club Bruges, by the way, to pocket that much money. That north of 30 million euros will bankroll them in terms of signings for what the next two three years you'd imagine um really good. yeah they do on the but they're the biggest club in belgium at the moment aren't they? and um the, the, actually little 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 nugget jack hendry from club Bruges will be moving as well we think uh vincent company wants to take him back from belgium to burnley with him the scottish defender so we'll keep an eye on him as well ahead of the uh i was gonna say ahead of the world cup but scott knows jack hendry is not going to the world cup of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my boys are. We'll see how it goes. Uh, let's stay on the loose topic of Leeds because we've we've kind of touched on them here and there uh, in relation to some signings that they're after. But Jack Harrison is a player that plays for them that is attracting interest from elsewhere. Uh, Newcastle, in particular, were looking at him. 
uh, who they turned their attention to Jack Harrison after, you know, there's a bit of a struggle going on with uh, trying to sign Diaby from Leverkusen. But we've seen on Friday, new lead signing Lewis Sinistera has pulled up injured with a, what I believe is a hamstring injury. So do you think a Newcastle going to have a chance of landing Jack Harrison or is this, uh, is that injury maybe, maybe put the dampeners on it, Graham? No, but Leeds are in the market to sell. You know, they've sold Rafinha. I think when you play the wingers like in that system, they've got they've got Dan James Harrison and you need three, don't you really, um, to mix it up. And I think they're happy with the three. Don't get me wrong, Leeds are, they're not a selling club, but if they get the right offer, they will sell. I think if, if Newcastle went over for, over 35, maybe, if Harrison they'd get him, but Newcastle are not inclined to go that high. Newcastle at the moment are dealing with this sort of budget thing where they've perhaps got 50, 60 to spend on a on a right winger and a striker, ideally. So I still think they should go all in for Diaby. Diaby's such a wonderful player. I think he is attainable. And this is maybe their one window they can get him as well. So I, I don't think that one's completely dead, but I think the main one they are looking at will be Calvert-Lewin still. And I think Everton being struggling financially as well, It's and the, and the window's still got another month to go. I think, you know, they could probably get Calvert-Lewin for 50 now, but if they wait three weeks, they're probably getting for 40, if not less. So I think that's where a few clubs are at, where, you know, if we can, we'll play a few games, but if we can hang on, um, they're going to save themselves a lot of money. And I think it's quite a few clubs in this position where, is it worth paying 10 million now or do we save it later, later in a few weeks' time? Everton are in bad shape, aren't they? I mean, like, you don't, like, there's a there's a spat between United and Liverpool Twitter at the moment where pre-season doesn't matter, but then it does when Darwin Nunes scores four goals in a pre-season friendly. <laughs> Everton lost to 4-0 to Minnesota United. Earlier this week, but I think they're yeah. my hot tip to get relegated. This I week. don't know how good they are. About your MLS knowledge, Scott, which is <laughs> much better than mine. Um, um, yeah, I don't know how good Minnesota are, but yeah, um, the biggest surprise I had this week that with Frank Lampard isn't the favorite to be first manager at the door in the season. That was the biggest surprise I've had, I think, all summer. That he's is that, is that Ralph Ralph Hassan which I find. I'm not sure I believe that one, but yeah, not that I wish any harm on Frank or his career, but I think he's been dealt a bit of a bum hand there. And yeah, Richardson goes, Tarkowski in, doesn't look good. No, Toby, who's your hot pit, hot pick uh, for first manager to be sacked and for the drop? Uh, okay, well, for the well, I don't think it's going to be Nottingham Forest. We're going to come on to them, but they have signed every man and his dog this summer, and they're going to continue doing that by the look of it. Um, I don't think it's as clear cut as it's been in years gone by. I expect Bournemouth to go. I yeah. do think Fulham are going to find it difficult. I know Graham is a big, big, big Mitrovic, big, big fifty fan goals, yeah. Well, so Mitrovic, best two players in Championship history. Uh, I mean, I I'm not going to deny the Harry Wilson. Uh, yeah. but do, do you think guys someone said to me I did hear this in Premier League where a club said to me this is the hardest Premier League ever to stay up, to stay up in and if you look at it like Le- Leeds obviously only just stayed up but then they've invested 100 million Forrest are doing what they're doing as we say um, I think Bournemouth are probably gone but to, to, to stay, I think it's, I probably agree with that someone said someone said what someone said to me that this is will this will be the hardest Premier League to stay in the, the, the levels are just getting that high. And even Southampton, all the teams are doing business. Yeah, of course. I was, was going to say, Southampton, I can imagine being in the mix, actually, for relegation this season, looking at it on the surface. I'd imagine Brentford's will struggle in their second season. It seems to be a bit of a theme, but so much money is being flashed around the division that it's fiercely competitive. You could, 
argue that Southampton could be relegated, but one or two smart signings, they could come 12th, 11th, 10th. So I would say Bournemouth, for me, are the only side that are perhaps nailed on to go down, and Fulham I would put close to that category unless they do some seriously impressive business, but otherwise it's open season. Yeah, uh, we have mentioned Jesse Lingard there. We have also mentioned the likes of West Ham, Milan, uh, Newcastle in the last few minutes. Jesse Lingard's picked Nottingham Forest. Of all those clubs he was linked with, Nottingham Forest have, I think it's a, he, he, I think he might well keep them in the division with the, the other signings that they've had. I really rate Steve Cooper as well. I think they have a proper good chance of staying up. One year deal. Uh, it's in the notes here, plenty to chat on <laughs> on this deal, Graham. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, obviously, uh, Torbid did this one last night um, as I was messaging him. And it, it's been coming for the last few days. And since we did one link Garden Forest a few days ago, it's been coming. And um, yeah, I would say it was surprised some people claiming that uh, as low as £80,000, lower than the West Ham offer made to him. On a one-year deal, like come on, guys! Like we're living in the real world here. I know Nottingham is a wonderful city to live in, but this is Jesse Lingard we're talking about, and uh, he's going there to become their most uh, most uh, highest-paid player of all time, uh, most high-profile signing they've ever made. And to be fair, Forest, it was said to me it's probably comparable to Dean Henderson deal. Scott, because they're paying half the money and they paid a big loan fee. So basically, they're paying Henderson, if you took the loan fee into it, they're paying his entire wages for the season on a free loan. And that's 120 grand a week. So they're already already paying decent money here. Um, Obviously, we believe it's in excess of 120, don't we, Toby? And with add-ons, it could get there, you know, if if they're doing awful, if they do very well. Um, And I think this rules them out of the Gibbs-White chase, but it's it's an experienced Premier League campaigner. He's the 11th player they brought in. And, and uh, getting away from finances, what, what's not to like? I think it's, a, it's a great deal for Forrest, Toby. And if he produces some of his West Ham form for a team like that, it just ups their level massively. I've, I've said all along that if Jesse Lingard came to West Ham, he would improve West Ham because he adds a different dimension to, or would have added a different dimension to David Moyes' team. He's got more goals in him than a side Ben Rama, for example. But the circus and the fanfare and all the stuff that's gone on over the last couple of months, the willy wonty, the cryptic teasing on TikTok and all this, all these shenanigans. It just Do you know what TikTok yeah. is, Graham? Or you... oh, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's it. That, that's an email, email straight to HR. Um, yeah, I was just I was disappointed he wasn't doing his thing in a Robin Hood Robin Hood outfit. That's the only thing that disappointed me. <laughs> One of his, no, no, his, little, um, his little dance, which he actually did at the Riverside, if you remember, Scott. He's got that world. Yes, I do. It was a lovely goal, that was. Yeah, yeah, and he did that little dance. But it looked good in the Robin Hood outfit, wouldn't it, that? <laughs> that might be when they do the official video. They might do that. Jesse, Jesse Lingard has come in now as a Nottingham Forest third best player after Nico Williams and <laughs> Brennan Johnson. Uh, you, but... you mean the fourth player? You missed, you missed the Welshman off there, Scott. Oh, terrible. Oh, he's missed the Welshman off, Toby. What, Wayne Hennessy? Ah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, fair, fair enough. Maybe I'll, I'll give Jesse that one. Forrest must be our second team now with those three. Yeah, they they, they must might be well be. They team. might well be this season. Yeah. Is Brendan Johnson in with a shout of being the only Forest player who retains his place from the from the promotion winning team? Because they're all um, being replaced. 
Well, I, my, I will use my football league knowledge here and to embarrass you both. Ryan Yates, I think, has a very good chance of starting next to Lewis O'Brien. Lewis O'Brien, Huddersfield players, so again, you two don't know him, being championship. Um, yeah, Lewis O'Brien, Ryan Yates is very good. He's come through the system there, 24-year-old, and, and I think he will get a few games, actually, guys, O'Brien and Yates, um, to dig in. Um, they've got good legs in there as well. Steve Cooper is... There's certainly be a team to watch. I think they could really do... You know, what we saw with the Leeds first season, maybe. They, they, if they hit the ground running, they could be very impressive. And I'm looking forward to seeing them first day of the season, actually. Are they still hoping I'm, for more, I'm, Graham? Yeah, I've been told up to 15. And that sounds odd, but they've already got 11. <laughs> I know they want, they want another striker. I think it might, they like Emmanuel Dennis, who can play up front next to Teru, who's international colleague at Nigeria. Um, I think they want another centre-half, I'm told, as well. Because um, they, do, they do play a three at the back for us, and they've got McKenna and Warrella who are out there, but I think they want another one. But yeah, it's um, considering, and let's not forget, for it in a shortened pre season, and Forest were in the playoff final, and we normally associate the, playoff, the team who win the playoff final with having a massive disadvantage, don't we? And most of the time, we use that as an excuse, and they've, they've gone about their business fantastically. I'm actually very excited to see them under Steve Cooper in the Premier League because he's got such a good reputation as being a coach who develops players. Um, and okay, they're not all young signings, but this will be a real acid test of Steve Cooper's management. And if he does a good job there, then I would not be entirely surprised if in a year's time he's being linked with bigger jobs than Forrest. Yeah, he's. I think yeah, definitely. That's a great point. So I think Steve Cooper is the next. He could be the next big thing in managerial terms, English-wise. Um, and obviously. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for managers. Newcastle, interesting. Keep around Newcastle. When, when do they get ready to make, make that? The higher they go, the more likely they are to... Eddie Howe's in this quandary, isn't he? The higher you get to Newcastle, the more likely they are to do that Mark Hughes thing of being in that big big <laughs> name replacement, aren't they? Big, big shout out, Steve Cooper, Ponty Preed boy. Uh, not far from me. Uh, oh, he, I didn't realise he was well. Yeah, Pont, from Pontypridd. Pre- yeah, uh, you, you can't really tell it in his when he speaks, though. It's, it's, the accent isn't really there like you'd expect some Pontypridd to have. But um, yeah, probably my second favourite team for the season. I, I'm may, maybe just decide. I've that always now. liked him. He's always been a Phil Ford and lover, so you know he's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boring section. Go, Frankie De Jong. Uh, oh God. So we understand <laughs> that uh, Man United are prepared to wait this out, Graham. Uh, it's been, what, 12, 11 weeks so far since they identified De Jong as the top target for the summer. I trust you. I imagine you've, got, I imagine you've got a calendar of Frankie De Jong and you're peeing off the days every day. What, what are you to little team and you're pulling off? Oh, soon, God. Frankie, soon. Yeah. United are going to wait this out, though. We understand it, Graham, right? This is uh, a deal that they've wanted since the very start, integral to Eric Ten Hag's plans, he's reiterated his plans to strengthen in attack and in midfield. Uh, there's a lot going on here, though. Obviously, we've reported numerous times about the wage deferral and uh, issues with Barcelona paying that back, not paying it back to him, that holding the deal up. There's interest from Chelsea, from uh, reports from other places, uh, but who doesn't like Frankie De Jong as a good footballer? But uh, Joan Laporta will bring him back in here as well. Barcelona have uh, activated the second lever on Friday morning, and there's talk about a third lever. Uh, Graham, I'm going to stop talking. Can you uh, can you fill us in here? 
Yeah, on the lever wise, we reported a couple of weeks ago that they decided to. Do you know what I mean it's not even just decide to pull the second lever two weeks ago? It takes a lot of paperwork to do. It was properly activated today, which I think presumably means the the money lands in their account today. Not that they haven't already spent it because we believe they have. <laughs> a Sixth Street representatives were in Spain this week, and I'm told the the they're already starting to drop discuss drop paperwork on the third lever. Um, as to what part of the Barca TV was being discussed and diff- basically selling rights to something that Barca on, you know, yeah. um, 50% of their soul is probably already gone. So they're probably discussing <laughs> that with them. Um, and yeah, so Frankie is, 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 is doing what we said, Scott, he's been the perfect employee. He's turned up, he's going on tour, he's not missing a meal, he's not. He's turned up on time at everything. And they played I'd, him at centre-back in a friendly. I'd love to know John Laporte. I bet he's encouraging the secretary saying, tell him a different time so he turns up late and stuff. And like, but I think he's a popular lad in the dressing room. He's, he's, he comes across, if anything, he does come across a professional. He's a likeable guy. And from what I'm being told, you know, he is not dismissing Manchester in any way, shape or form. And I'm told the opposite, that he's, he really appreciates the how, how my night they're dealing with this. You know, United aren't coming out screaming and shouting. They could be coming out doing a Laporta. They could be coming out saying, oh, we, we appreciate Frankie Young trying to mastermind this move to our club and stuff. But United are keeping their powder dry. They're doing the sensible thing. Ten Hag's spoken to him. Ten Hag knows he wants to come. United know he wants to come. We all, we all know he wants to come. And he just wants paying this money. And will a second lever result in them in Barcelona paying him some money? Basically, hmm. let's hope so let's hope so we all hope it's the case to end but this this could go on till realistically the for another yeah. three to four weeks it could <laughs> um, yes it provides us with content but yeah I think there's reports of Xavi will sit him down along with I think Depay and a few and a few others saying listen guys we have to move you on um, you know it, the none of them are in, the, in, in this thinking anyway going forward for the season that's probably been the, the one grey area, actually, where, you know, that I know where we we understand something about Dion wanting to come, mm-hmm. Sport are saying he has no interest in going to Manchester, this this kind of side. But we've never really had the confirmation from both the sporting side and the economic side uh, that the, it is best for Dion to go, have we? Yeah, I think Barcelona was trying to avoid that. They're tra- they were trying to do the exact opposite of Jones as well, saying they're, they're the perfect employee, saying, we've never told you to go. We've never done this, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, we've never told you you're going to get your money back. <laughs> we've never told you you're going to get your wages. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know what? I think as the favorite goes on, I think we're all on Dion's side a bit here. You know, anyone who has to deal with Barcelona and Laporta, I think we're on their side at the moment. How Barcelona have gone from being everyone's second team to being everyone's the, the villains of the piece. Um, it's a bit like Mike Cleveland Browns in the NFL. We've gone from everyone's second team to being the most hated team in the NFL. I think that's happened to Barcelona. I think they're more, the most hated team in Europe at the minute. You say but, second um, team. Sorry, the most annoying thing is, though, they're getting their way on virtually every deal. And that's the most frustrating element that they are the puppet masters. They're pulling all of the strings, it's all happening on their timeline. Mm. And there's nothing Manchester United in this instance can do about it's so it. So frustrating. So frustrating. You, you, you sign Lewandowski. Uh, and I, I do wonder at one point, uh, does De Jong, I bet he's, he's tempted to get you away from that involved, Scott, but we know that's not going to be a two-week procedure, is it? You've got the Swiss court and stuff. That If he does that, he'll probably sat on the sidelines side for six months. And he doesn't want that before a World Cup. So yeah. it, it, it's a re- I, I, I firmly believe it'll get done. Whether it's done 
now we're in a month's time. It's hard to tell. But I do, I think, I think coming back from his pre-season too, as you say, Scott, it clearly wasn't a kit essential part to Zabby's plans. And we know that anyway. Um, and yeah, come on. Laporte. They have too many players. They have so many players. They have so and we, many and we do know it's whatever whatever financial planning, what little financial planning is involved at Barcelona, and it is minimal. <laughs> Part one of one of the main one of the main things is to sell Frankie De Jong and get some money back in the club. Yeah, uh, great. I just wanted to hop back to a point you just made about Barcelona being everyone's second favorite team. You're talking about that Guardiola era Barcelona. Because well, just the messy me thing. myself, I thought yeah. that boring. I thought it was boring. Well, just just the messy thing. There were there were the love. You know, it was always Messi over Ronaldo. It was always Barca over Madrid. And now it's 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 complete opposite, isn't it? The way Real Madrid are, have been lauded upon for the way they're managing things and stuff. Barcelona, you know, were loved by everyone. Uh, it was hard not to like them, wasn't it? But now it's. It's impossible to like them almost. <laughs> Even when we were growing up, Scott, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, Barcelona were the underdogs in that yeah, with Real Madrid. So they were always looked upon more favourably. And it was all oh, Real Madrid have been knocked out, happy days, or all oh, Barcelona have won La Liga, which makes a change. But as Graham now says, that dynamic has shifted where I think the majority of people outside Barcelona now cannot wait to see them fail. Um, mm. And their behaviour in this transfer market has alienated so many people, but they're still dominating the headlines as well. They're getting exactly what they want. Can you imagine some headlines so from Lewandowski, the pressure on him to perform. Now, can you imagine he goes there and doesn't perform? Oh, my word. It'd be quite It'd be... funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, let's move uh, the first, The first person to slag him off will be Laporta, obviously. Of course. Of course it will. <laughs> yeah, they are doing this with Xavi as well. Like, I, I understand the, the thinking behind it, but Xavi is... Not very. Yeah, extreme. I saw him getting some stick as well. Yeah, he, I, you know, fine. Well, yeah, Laporte is the last person out there. He's going to throw Xavi Lewandowski under the bus but anyway. Anytime before he gets away, near. <laughs> Barcelona, of course, kicking off their preseason with a win over Inter Miami the other day. Memphis Depay turning defenders inside out as Harvey Neville and Romeo <laughs> Beckham feature on the other side. Phil Neville said they deserved their chance. Um, fair play, mate. But did, play. did do better than Gary Neville's Valencia, though. It's worth mentioning that. <laughs> the humbling wasn't quite as uh, as bad as that one. Let's let's, uh, let's before we move on from uh, United on the whole. Let's talk Ronaldo. Seems Graham Ronaldo's still dead set on leaving. Is someone going to bite on it because Eric Ten Hag just has to move on now? He has to. Yes, the season starting. Even even if Ronaldo returned to United tomorrow, he wouldn't really be ready in time to start the start the first game of the season. I'm not expecting him back, but it's just a question of who bites, right? Possibly, yeah. I still think if he turns tomorrow, he'd probably be one of the fittest players in the United squad. I think he keeps himself up in such good condition. I have no doubt he could he could do what, that. What's um, the definition of fitness there, though? Being cut and being lean or being able to run for 90 minutes? As an being, thoroughly profession- being thoroughly professional throughout his life, I think, would tick them boxes. And I don't think not all that United squad can tick that box. Um one of those, uh, well, one of those will be leading the line, Anti Martial. So we'll soon find out. Um, you're very excited by Anti Martial. Oh, I wouldn't say I'm very excited about it. I just think <laughs> people are saying he's absolutely awful when he's actually quite technically decent. Those of us involved in this United better delighted that Anti Martial might start for United. Um, yeah, he wants to go, Scott. He has, his attitude hasn't changed, and, and there's still a month to go here. It's my belief that, from what I'm being told, he 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 just wants to play to challenge in the Champions League again. He's got that ability to play in the Champions League, which he knows he doesn't have what two three years maybe left at Champions League level. You know you you are a long time retired. 
but he knows he's what was he third top scorer in the Premier League last year. He knows he can still do it, and I still wouldn't rule any. I know Bayern and Chelsea are saying what they are publicly. In three weeks' time, if he's still there, if Ronaldo's willing to do a deal, I think it's perfectly doable. I think Atletico Madrid is perfectly doable as well. PSG never never rule them out with anything. But I think those three and four in three weeks' time, we'll see. I'd, it's going to take a lot of talking from Eric Ten Hag to to win him round. Um, and I don't think it's anything against Ten Hag or United in general. I think it, this Champions League thing is huge, Scott. You know, it's not very often you get a chance to play in that and. I think if he'd finished top four, he would still be there. But I think he knows he can get himself this move. And as we said all along, what Ronaldo wants, he usually does get. The man is obsessed with being the Champions League all-time top scorer. He already is that. Can you imagine a season where he's out of it and Messi scores 10? Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it, and he's got a lot to prove. And I still think Bayern, I th- you know Lewandowski's replacement for a year, I still think that makes the most sense. It doesn't necessarily mean he'll go there, but it just ticks a lot of boxes for me. You, you can never rule anything out anyway, because what if the season starts and the club picks up an injury? Or it's a great all, point, Tobin. We've got won one we've game got, out of four. You know, yeah. change priorities change even in that short period of time. So you because we kick off that much early, we've got a month. We're like in the Premier League, we will have six games by the time the window shuts. Yeah. So a lot, as I say, so much can change in that time. Let's uh, let's move across Manchester to City, who. Erling Haaland's on their tour, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen a few of their new faces in the US. Uh, I think they played Club America in Mexico the other day as well. Uh, one player who is leaving is Zinchenko, about to be announced by Arsenal, and talks are ongoing for his replacement, Mark Cucciarella from Brighton. We did a story yesterday on 90min.com. Who wants to... We're just think maybe Zinchenko has been announced. Even by the time you're hearing this, we're expecting it as that close, Graham. Yeah, despite your not Chenko or Toby, would you like to have seen him? Uh, I think he's, well, I th- I would have liked to see him as a central midfielder. I'd have taken him at West Ham as a central midfielder rather than as a left-back. But I think he's a good signing for Arsenal because he gives them the option of doing both. And the price that they're paying as well is it's a, good, it's a good amount of money for somebody mm-hmm. as good as he can be. And I've said this before in a previous pod, he was described as one of City's best technical players, kind of on a level with Kevin De Bruyne in terms of control of the ball and distribution. So there's clearly a very, very good player in there. And he perhaps hasn't got the credit that he deserves because he's been shoehorned into playing left-back for City. But he'd be a good good signing for Arsenal. Um, Mark Cucciarella would also be a good signing for, for City. But Brighton have set... A very high transfer fee, haven't they, Graham? Because they're basically saying we don't want to sell, even though the indication is that Cucciarella would clearly be interested in going. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, but they're setting a minimum of fifty million with more add-ons, and it does sound a lot. But they got that for Ben White, so mm-hmm. if you get that for Ben White, then Cucciarella should be more than that. It really should. Um, we saw what a great season he had last year. He covered it centre half as well. He can do a, a very, very much similar things to Zinchenko. And we obviously, we do understand Zinchenko will probably be more of a midfielder at Arsenal. He'll get his wish under Arteta. So, yeah, Kuchel makes so much sense. And um, I think, yeah, apparently 30 million they went in with to start with, which is, doesn't make any sense as well. That's less than what they sold Zinchenko for. So, <laughs> But obviously, City, thinking, City, I'd City, from that point of view, will obviously be sent to Brighton. We think Zinchenko is as good as Kuchel. So you imagine that's why they're. Offering that, but we know they're going to have to nearly double that again. 
Big money, big money. Uh, moving down to London to finish off the show. We'll go to West first. Uh, Ivan Tony. Uh, piece earlier this week on lightmin.com uh, about Brentford reiterating that he will not be sold this summer. He's been linked with a few different clubs, hasn't he? Uh, but you can imagine this is one that Brentford won't even really consider because they it's hard to come by a goal scorer and a, a striker who's built for the Premier League when you're a club battling the battling the relegation places, battling the drop, Graham. Yeah, and, and it's pretty similar to what we said because you're people are assuming 35, 40 million might get even Tony. And whilst Brentford have no interest in selling, they did explain to us, you know, oh, that's nowhere near. They sold Callum, um, Ollie Watkins, sorry, for close to that amount of money while still in championship. Ivan Tony's got a season of Premier League football under his belt. Um, no, there's not. There's nothing doing. I think Newcastle, if he was available, would probably have a sniffer of taking him back to St James's. Um, but no, and, and I guess he'd be a player of West Ham's interest as well, Tony. But he's he's not going anywhere for 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 less than fifty, and if if ever, anyway, I don't think Brentford entertain selling them this um, this summer. They're they're building, um, and I think they see a bit of an improvement. I think I think we're all expecting. I I bought him in our fantasy league, didn't I? And I was expecting a little bit more out of him. Um, I think we will see a bit more form from him. I think he's used to the Premier League now. I think we'll see a bit more from him this season. Yes, indeed. Uh, Toby, what do you make of Antonio Conte's comments the other day on Tottenham's new signing, Jed Spence? Uh, we understand Spurs still potentially want another wing-back because Antonio Conte has essentially said, that was not my decision. That, that, that was the club's decision in public. Uh, very much Conte. Bit that's, weird, but, you know... That's the first Antonio Conte building block to escape if things go wrong. And I'm not saying things are going to go wrong because Spurs have done lots of good business this summer and they're in the Champions League. But Conte likes to drop these little feelers in that he could, he's got something to reference back to if things start going a bit pear-shaped. And Tottenham pushing ahead for Jed Spence and for him to say... I think he said it three times in the space yeah. of 10 seconds... The club made this decision. The club made this decision. We understand they did make that decision because they're looking at homegrown quota, um, the amount of English players that you need in your 25-player squad. And, yes, yeah, Spurs still might look to bring somebody else in as well. Um, it is bizarre, though, for Conte, given who they've signed already this summer, to actually say that publicly. But he's never been one to... Uh, oh, he doesn't care. Conversation and comp- yeah. He likes controversy. It generates headlines. It's kind of publicity for Spurs, even if it's not great publicity. Um, we actually think Tottenham are still in the running for Zaniolo from Roma, don't we, Graham? And although he's not a traditional wing-back, so to speak, he can play that role or there's optimism that he could play that role as well as operating in midfield. Yeah, I don't know Roma too well, but I, I was told that um, that's where Jose is going to play in this year. So... Suddenly, that that makes a lot of sense that they'd be looking at him. Um, a terrific player. Can you imagine Zaniola and Perisic on either side? How good that would be. Um, and, and obviously, the backup option, which is still there, whose price is coming down and down, Adama Traore is still available. And like we've would... been talking about his Wolves departure for three years. <laughs> well, he, he had a little spell at Barca in between, but I, I'd love to see Conte. But I, I think what Conte did with Victor Moses... Imagine what he could do with Andama Torara. The one thing on Zaniolo, he's had two serious knee injuries, hasn't he? And he's only mm. 23. 
could he stand up to the demands of Antonio Conte system and running up and down for 90 minutes at wing back? I've, yeah. I've got my doubts personally that he's physically up to it. I know he, only yeah. to, but so I have two serious ACL injuries, takes it out of you. And I'm, I'm not overly convinced that he would fit that system, but he was regarded as one of the world's premier young midfielders, wasn't he? Before? It's probably why Juventus haven't quite pushed up. Juventus have liked him a long time and they're trying to get him this year with some loan swaps or something. And it's probably why Juventus haven't quite pushed the ball out for him, um, like you say, with his injury record. Yes, indeed. I think that is pretty much it for the show today. We've uh, been a bit late putting this one out due to some issues within the week, uh, other projects, etc., etc. But uh, we'll be back hopefully next Tuesday to uh, have the latest instalment of Talking Transfers. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Of course, a reminder that you can follow us all on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth for all the latest from Mighty Min. .com, all the latest on the stories that we talked about today, everything in between until we do another show, which will be mid next week, all going to plan. Uh, have a nice weekend, guys. Have a nice weekend, everyone listening. And we'll catch you soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.